Welcome to this episode of Through the Educational Looking Glass. I am one of your hosts, Courtney Edelman. And I'm your other host, Don Sturm. We're both in coaching roles in Morton Unit School District 709 in Central Illinois. Thanks for joining us as we try to gain clarity on the variety of topics concerning teachers today. Let's take a closer look at today's topic. Today's topic is looking at preventing polarization. Uh, And specifically, this podcast came out of wanting to connect with teachers in our district and deal with topics that are important to them. We also think it's important to highlight what our colleagues are doing and celebrate those successes with them. That's going to be the focus of this episode. We have Brian Dieters in the studio, and I always love saying that, in the studio. It's really my office. Uh, He's waving. You can't see him. But uh, So we have Brian in the studio to talk about his new book, Preventing Polarization, 50 Strategies for Teaching Kids About Empathy, Politics, and Civic Responsibility. Uh, He did co-author this with Michelle Blanchett. And thanks first for being here, Brian. We're excited to have you. And uh, let's start out by having you introduce yourself, maybe say a little bit about you and also your co-author. Sure, yeah. Hey, guys, thanks for having me. It really means a lot that you uh, recognize this as something that's a passion that, that, uh, that Michelle and I have have had and that led to us developing this book. And I know it's something that uh, both of you in different times we've had conversations about the importance of this issue and how we can bring it to light in a classroom. So uh, yeah, my name is Brian Dieters. Um, Probably a lot of you know me. I've been around the district for a long time. I'm one of the old guys. Started in 95 at Morton High. Uh, Don actually was on my interview team and it was one of the rare interviews where actually he talked more than I did, even though I was the one being interviewed. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> Shocking. I thought I'd throw that yeah, out. Well, there. thank you for that. Yeah, but <laughs> just kidding, of course. Uh, and then, of course, we developed a tremendous relationship and a great friendship over the years. Um, I moved to Switzerland in 2012 with my wife's job as uh, <clears throat> a Caterpillar. So we were in Geneva, Switzerland. And from there, I went on and taught at an international school where I uh, met Michelle, who was a, a good friend of mine. Uh, a very, very uh, accomplished, uh, intelligent woman who we shared a lot of the same passions. We taught sociology together, and we were kind of there at a time period. Number one, you know, there's a lot of just changes that are going on and how you're viewing things when you're living in a different culture and learning from a lot of different people. Uh, But things were, I guess you could say, heading south here with regards to politics, uh, how it's portrayed. We, I, we were both in Switzerland teaching in the onset of what was the upcoming 2016 election, which we all know was a time of a lot of division and, and problems. And so we kind of were just in this place where we're worried about what is happening in our culture, in our politics, from a divisive standpoint, that we were seeing extreme polarization occur and what could we as educators do about it? So that was kind of the genesis of us just having conversations uh, about things. And then from there, I personally went on and made an attempt to kind of become a little political myself and ran for office. And um, that was one way that I felt I hoped to be able to contribute. And obviously, paths kind of went the way they did, which has uh, led me back to teaching here in the district, which I'm so thankful for, and I love my job, and I've been teaching civics and continue to teach sociology, which certainly fits into the category of talking about culture and talking about politics on a day-to-day basis. 
And Michelle approached me. This was her vision. She asked me based on my experiences of running for office and teaching overseas and teaching back here if I'd be willing to kind of go ahead with this project. So from there, we got together, and I kind of followed her lead. She runs an education consulting um, business now and has a lot of connections and has been published before. So I've just kind of been following her suit, and it just kind of grew over the last two years, and finally we're getting to the point where we're ready for the release of our book, and we're excited about it. Thanks. Yeah, and well, it was funny you had said beforehand, is this supposed to be a funny or serious <laughs> podcast? And so I guess on the funny note, I I hear rumor has it that your you were able to snag a pretty uh a pretty good campaign manager for the, that uh run. The campaign for, manager was at the perfect price that we were looking for. <laughs> yeah, which was free. <laughs> and, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so for those people who don't yeah, know, that was that was me. That would have been yes, Mr. Sturm, who yeah. helped. Uh, who uh, honestly, as he knows, did an amazing job of what was for both of us and everybody involved a an intense experience. Um, one that I'm glad that we did, but don't know if I'd do it again. Certainly it at again. this point, yeah. yeah so well, yeah. and I think that that even that experience, you are obviously somebody who embraces those risks and steps out of your comfort zone. I can only imagine that this process required those same amount of <laughs> risks or, or edging out of what was comfortable to you. You mean as far as the book writing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think certainly once you experience kind of moving out of your comfort zone in general with the overseas moves, yeah. it becomes kind of easier to take those risks maybe. Uh, the, the compelling move to kind of run for office was – connected to that and being concerned it was also i think undeniably at this point somewhat of a midlife crisis uh so i didn't buy a porsche just ran for office but it did make things easier in the decision when michelle asked me if i wanted to take this on and at that time i was you know uh, back in the classroom and excited to kind of keep i guess you could say my my you know connected in some way different than just being in the classroom um to take on this project so it's just kind of grown from there and and like I said, here we are. We're getting close to it finally being released. It's been done for a while. So there's some, you know, we, obviously you guys have had access to the digital copies that have been out. And it just kind of feels good to be done at this point and see where it goes from there. Hopefully yeah. people will read it and it can make a difference. You've talked a little bit about what compelled you to write the book. And I know the introduction does a great job of setting the background for this and, and why it is coming out at this point, why it feels um, important and relevant right now. So rather than asking you, why did you write the book again? Is there anything about the way that you structured the writing of the book that was intentional for the the purpose that you had? Well, I, and I got to give credit for Michelle for the direction of kind of what she wanted to see from the book, because when she brought me in um, on this project, I just was in the lens of, okay, she wants my experience of kind of running for office and what that was like and my um, understanding of things from the teaching perspective on why we are polarized. But this book isn't really about why we are polarized. We talk about that in the intro and some of the chapters. It's we know that we're polarized. Yes, here are some of the reasons, but this is more of a manual of sorts on things that we can do specific. That's where that 50 strategies comes in to play Um, things that we can do to help people become aware of polarization and ultimately work to build consensus, which as we talk a lot about in the book is really kind of the opposite of being polarized. 
And it doesn't at all mean, of course, that we all have to think the same way, quite the opposite. It's just that we need to understand how to run a functioning democracy if we truly are going to be, you know, a place that is a democracy in the sense that the people should be the ones that are at the end of the day making the decisions. So we need to be more informed. All of these things are kind of laid out in this. So the book is intended to be more of a manual of sorts to definitely, yes, be targeted at teachers and yes, social studies teachers, civics teachers, but really all teachers, but even more so parents um, to get ideas on how we can build these skills in our students, in our kids moving forward so that we don't, you know, have to continue to deal with um, some of the plaguing issues that we're dealing with now tied to polarization. Well, and I think the question I was going to ask was who the intended audience is, and you kind of dealt with that. But let's even, from people that listen to this from, let's say, our district or another district, if I'm a second grade teacher, so I teach every subject, is there something in here for me? Most definitely. You know, and I know you've been through this and talked with Michelle and I as we're yep. continuing to do our, our other series of For Better Tomorrow, uh, and we're looking at this book in, in our fourth uh, season, that there's many of these strategies, and, and so much of it is the work of Michelle, and she's just really just innovative and in kind of bringing these things, uh, her ideas, you know, actually making them work. Um, that can go to any age level, just the whole notion of getting kids to, you know, allowing them to be more free in their thought process, to figure things out when we talk about like sense making as we did, um, to advocate the fact, you know, that there's not necessarily always a right answer uh, to things, that things are complex. So these are things that the strategies in the books go through. And yes, they are many of them that are designed and oriented for middle school and, and high school age and specifically civics, but they don't have to be. They definitely could fit into really any any classroom. So I'm excited to bring that to light because, you know, this book really is for, for all teachers and even beyond that, for anyone who wants to help kids develop skills to better their situation and just being more adapt to dealing with this. In the same vein that, you know, we have, you know, SEL, we have social-emotional learning that happens in all the different classrooms at all the different levels. In the same way that in schools we promote discipline at all ages, this is how we vision this and the ability to kind of be versed in knowing when polarization might be occurring and how to fight against it. Well, and, and some of them, I mean, I don't want to give too much away. I mean, it's not like a murder mystery or anything, but I don't want to give too <laughs> much away. Professor Plum. But, yeah. um, but I'm thinking of something like the curiosity aspect. I mean, that in some ways doesn't seem to, it's not the first topic that comes to mind when you think about polarization. But I like the fact that that is one of the strategies that, you talk about. It's getting kids to be curious and stay curious. Well, you don't have any problem doing that in a first or second or third grade. Sometimes you have more issues with that at an upper grade. Um, but I think it's almost one of those, you mentioned parents, you know, it's as a parent, encourage your kid to be curious. So how does that, how does curiosity lead into that idea or lack of curiosity lead into the polarization aspect? Yeah, I think 
what we see here is, and obviously this isn't everyone, but we're seeing it more and more in adults, and it speaks to kind of the reality of how we absorb information, how social media works, how the algorithms work, how we've become very tribal. You know, this kind of puts on the sociology hat here for a moment, but we go in and out of that in this book as far as cultural things and political things. But, you know, we, we kind of, a lot of us find ourselves blinding to a team as opposed to a policy, as opposed to an issue. And, you know, our system, quite honestly, has always kind of been set up that way. We talked about that the other day, Don, when we were doing that, in that we're pretty binary. We have two choices. You got the red team and you got the blue team. Now, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon, but the structure of our government issues like gerrymandering and money that exists like dark money and campaigning only lead itself to people who maybe are going to be running for elected office. Certainly not all, certainly not most, but some who can be rather demagoguer can, can be demagogues can, you know, practice demagoguery can be loud voices and not necessarily saying anything, but it's easy to kind of see, unfortunately people, subscribing to the one-line statements, you know, are we becoming more of a bumper sticker society Um, by advocating curiosity, going back to your question, we feel, Michelle and I feel that that helps create in a person as they age, as they become an adult, to be more critical, skeptical, making sure that they're looking at things from a lens. Okay, is this person saying something that's really true? Let's go, let's look, let's, let's rethink this, let's be grounded and let's make good decisions as opposed to, yeah, you know, that statement either, you know, made the Republicans look really stupid or, you know, we just own the libs on like these kind of things that just aren't helpful that we're seeing more and more of. Quite honestly, you know, the vast majority of us don't want that at all. But here we are living in this kind of existence. Well, and I like the the underlying research that you have throughout it, you know, the, the number of questions that we tend to ask as we get older decrease, you know, and, and so just things like that, that I think underscore the value of the things that we do in the classroom, put it in a different context, give us another reason to continue to foster curiosity, to teach kids how to ask good questions, to yep. give them the, the opportunity to do that on a regular basis, and really maybe empower us in a area that we feel really kind of hopeless and helpless um, a lot of the time. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. I mean, so what what we're in the business of, particularly as civics teachers, and I, I just get starting up a new semester, so I've talked about this a lot the last couple of weeks, is like, my job is to help you become civic-minded, whatever that means. It's, you know, this isn't trying to advocate an ideology, of course, one way or the other. It's to get you in a situation where you can make sound decisions, that you're aware of the information you have that is credible, that you can recognize when something is legit and when it isn't to help you form a decision and, you know, voting for a candidate that fit truly does fit what you want. And, you know, so to be civic minded is what the pursuit of, of what this book is about, really. As a, a writing teacher, I was curious. Um, I always ask my students after we finish projects, what did you learn about yourself as a writer through this experience? So, I mean, I'm fascinated with the fact that you've been through this process uh, and it had to teach you a lot about a lot of different areas of yourself and your personality. But did you learn anything about yourself as a writer 
through this project? <laughs> I've seen because I was looking at the questions like, well, probably that I'm not particularly good at it, but uh, we've. No, that's uh, not going to sell the book. <laughs> that's probably not. Yeah. Gonna, <laughs> I'm I'm being self-deprecating. No, I yeah, I mean, I think what I learned is the process yeah. is maybe not necessarily what you thought it would be. I think Don and I could say the same for running for offices. Yeah. Also in that category. Um, but it was all in all a good experience. I mean, we had crunch moments and we had times where we had to get certain things done and we had one publisher and it didn't work out. But by and large, I, you know, like I said, Michelle asked me to kind of go on to this project with her. And since she's been published before and has a lot of the context in this, she was kind of the lead, certainly. So I was just kind of fascinated in, you know, some of that part of the process about how do we go about even getting published? And, yeah. you know, um, once we do, what does that mean? And what is even the, in the con, like all those things that I had no idea about that, uh, that I learned about. But as far as just kind of how it impact, how I see myself, I think um, the one way I, one thing I realized in this process is that I feel, I guess this is a good thing because I'm going on year 28 of it, that I'm, doing personally what I'm supposed to be doing. And that is being a teacher. Like that's always what I've been and how I see myself, even when we kind of dabbled a little bit in will politics be some sort of career. Even when I was running for office and envisioning being maybe an elected official, it was really, I never saw myself as that way. I've always seen myself as a teacher. And I think that that just magnified this experience magnified that as well. So, well, and I love those experiences then outside of that narrow definition, I guess, you know, of your, your profession that then you can bring to students. So I think it's fascinating yeah. that you have these life experiences. Well, and I asked this not to be, I'm not trying to be funny, but like, did you, when you wrote, did you have like a cup of coffee and I thought you were going to say like an old, like style, like revolutionary, like, pen like, like quill. <laughs> and I mean, like, was there my a ink, process to dip in? Yeah. Did you, I'm assuming you did this all digital. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't so, cause I know some people still by long hand and then, but like, were you, did you sit in a big old comfy chair and write, or did you just literally write whenever you had an opportunity? <laughs> it just depended. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there were times when I was maybe writing after school here, uh, as we were finishing things up. Um, a lot of things I got done being, um, in the summertime on COVID, mm. um, lockdown, lockdowns come okay. trying to complete black. I wasn't on lockdown, but even worse than lockdown when you actually have COVID, What's the word? Quarantine. Quarantine. Yeah, that's yeah. the word. <laughs> Thanks, guys. In the end of the yeah. day. Yeah. Quarantine. Uh, I was just like on fire, like uh, going back and forth because at the time, Michelle was not available to write. So uh, there were several tasks that I needed to complete. And I just kind of felt at that moment, like a lot of good thoughts were coming in. And, and that was kind of as we were tying things up last summer. So Sometimes outside uh, on my deck, sometimes in bed in quarantine with okay. COVID, sometimes um, just kind of wherever. Well, and I think one thing just to, to kind of for people who are curious about the book, just as this kind of, you know, the writing experience will bleed into probably what you do in the classroom, there are narrative parts of the book, which I think were really great. You know, you'll yeah. tell stories from the classroom, Michelle does the same, and so, and from you know, experiences with your family. So I love that narrative that is kind of interwoven with uh, the practical guide. I think that was really effective and 
and entertaining to read. Well, I'm glad. I'm that. I'm glad to hear that because I do think that was one of the things we wanted to do was to make sure that people, you know, knew that we have our own personal experience as educators and that we wanted to bring those out. And some of them, you know, some of the stories we talk about are things that maybe we shouldn't be, you know. I remember telling a story, and I tell this to my sociology classes about a particular issue time when we were. I was taking my family to Six Flags and there was like all these things going on and it was like you're having these thoughts. So I, I won't, I'll, won't, I'll have you read the book to read more about it. But <laughs> it's a good one, yeah. Yeah. Yep. But those kind of stories I do think help, which is true in the classroom, right? I mean, if mm-hmm. you're able to kind of personalize things and, and connect it to your own experiences, I think it helps. So yeah, good. I'm glad you liked them because I think it was an important part yeah. to kind of oh, get Oh yeah, it was a great strategies. part of the. I've read it. Uh, this is my second time now. And uh, it got better the second time. I, I paid him more the second yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and you sort of hinted at this, but I'm just going to give you an opportunity. What do you hope the impact of this book is? That's a great question. And I, and I know. <laughs> so I'm assuming Courtney's the one Oh, that wrote yes. <laughs> I hope the impact is that people read it and it makes them think and it makes them reflect on their own views of of our society our culture our politics uh that hopefully they recognize if they haven't yet that yeah we we have a problematic issue of being polarized that it's more magnified than than ever and it's been for some time now right that that's been the case and at some point we're going to have to make a decision and hopefully it's the right decision to remedy it and the book is designed with that in mind. Like we have some ideas. Are they, are they all of the ideas? Of course not. I mean, these are our ideas. These are things that we came up with as, as just two educators, two teachers who worked together, who talked about this a lot when we were working together, who then went on this project on things that we can maybe do in our opinion to, to help um, make us a more functioning democracy, both culturally and politically. Well, and I think, like, that's, I think if you were to ask Courtney and I that same question about the podcast, like, we would answer in a similar fashion. We just want people to, we want to present stuff to the audience that then they say, hmm, do I agree with that? Do I not agree with that? Do I do that? Do I not do that? So it's it's a very similar kind of, I think, rationale for doing something that is different and and out there and, and that. So, yeah. And along those lines too, I think I'd add, and I think Michelle would certainly advocate this, that we, we hope that it can serve as motivation maybe for, for younger teachers to look at and say, well, I didn't, I don't know if I should do this or, you know, there's nothing in here that is certainly in this book that is like crazy radical by any means, but it, it does require us to be ready to recognize that we do have an issue. And that we, as social studies teachers in particular, but all teachers, have, have a duty to, like, this is where we're supposed to be learning about this stuff. And so, you know, the ideas are with that in mind. Great. How do people get the book? Uh, well, that's, a, that's an important, good question. So um, the book is out on Amazon. So you can just go to the Amazon bookstore and look for Preventing Polarization, 50 Strategies for Teaching Kids About Empathy, Politics, and Civic Responsibility. That's the long official title. Um, You could also check out, Michelle and I have a website that has a lot of her education consulting things on there as well, but links to get the book. 
And that's just simply preventingpolarization.com. So please check that out for a lot of different things. And um, we're just excited to have it out. And hopefully, like I said, it can grow and, and it can get in the... We just wanted to get into the hands of people and get people to read it, to get people to think. And we will put that information in our resources and we're going to do our part in getting the book into people's hands. Yeah, we are actually giving away a copy of the book. Um, These guys are like Oprah. Yeah, well. <laughs> no, <laughs> not, not Oprah quite, would say you get a book, uh, you, you get, get a book. A book. Uh, we're yes. just saying oh, okay. you get a book. Sorry, yes. So just one. <laughs> we're giving away one copy of the book. Uh, to qualify, all you have to do is leave us a comment on the Google form that we have linked in the show description or leave us a voice message using the Anchor page. Uh, and then we'll pick one lucky winner at random, uh, and we will pick that winner, we said February 10th, so um, this will give, the release date for this will be February 3rd. Actually, your book comes out, or at this point will have come out on February 24th, I believe you said. January. January. I didn't say February. January <laughs> 24th, January. yes. Um, so we'll pick that winner on February yeah. 10th. And we always like to leave you with reflection questions. We know that Brian has been reflecting a lot on his experience, but we want to um, also leave you with uh, a couple questions to get you thinking. So the first one is, how do you either contribute to or combat polarization in your classroom and social circles? And again, along the same lines of what we've been talking about, we appreciate Brian coming on the show and sharing something that he feels strongly about and that he has dedicated his time and energy over the past couple of years. Um, and with that in mind, we want to ask you, what is something you are passionate about and how can you share that passion with others? One of our main goals of this podcast is to create meaningful connections. If you'd like to share your responses to the questions, we'd love to listen. This can be done through the Google form that we have linked through the public site on Anchor, or through Anchor's voice response option. Additionally, consider sharing your thoughts with a colleague or an instructional coach to open up meaningful dialogue. We have enjoyed taking this journey with you through the educational looking glass.